Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana and with my boyfriend and co-host Sean Tatro we will be winding back the reels to 1985. Upon breaking out of a dungeon youthful thief Felipe Gaston befriends Captain Navarre a man with a strange secret. Navarre and his lover Lady Isabeau were cursed by the wicked bishop of Anquilla? who desires Lady Isabeau for himself. His dark magic prevents the pair from ever being in each other's presence except at twilight, so they enlist Gaston in a dangerous plot to overthrow the bishop and break his enchantment in Lady Hawk. Let's get into it. Matthew Broderick. A pickpocket who thought that anything was better than prison. Little did he know what he'd escaped from wasn't half as strange or frightening as what he'd stumbled into. I do not believe what I believe, Lord. These are magical, unexplainable matters, and I beg you not to make me a part of them. The knight who had saved him wanted only two things to free his lover, and to take his revenge. I have waited almost two years for a sign from God. Sir, the truth is, I talk to God all the time. And no offense, but he never mentioned you. The pickpocket was the key to his plan. But would you send a thief to guard your treasure? He was the last one in the world to act like a hero. It just happened. By itself, and he was drawn into a magical, romantic adventure. Matthew Broderick, Michelle Pfeiffer, Rutger Howard, Lady Hawk. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers! Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. signal to start the episode but little does he know i have nothing to say right now other than staring at his big beautiful green eyes i don't know what color his eyes are he just twitched they're hazel you're hazel ah <laughs> welcome back to grindhouse where a couple of clowns just talk about movies <laughs> 
want a clown. We need Andrew here. Eventually. Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, we I'm can gonna, do any wrestling movies. I'm gonna he's in this talk seat. that motherfucker into joining us oh at my one God, point. He's gonna, he's gonna piss himself laughing. Anywho, <clears throat> so we watched a 1985 classic because I've never heard of this before researching for some other project we do. This is um, this is a movie that I've heard of many times, never seen, because. I think I've already said before, I'm not super into high fantasy no, stuff. No, you're not. However, this one surprised the shit out of me. It has more of like a Lord of the Rings meets like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm not even fucking kidding. Matthew Broderick has ye old day off in this thing. Oh, God. <laughs> He's I never going to get away from that part. And this is before that. <laughs> it that is. was like late 80s. This is mid 80s. So, Lady Hawk. Uh, was directed by Richard Donner. Do- uh, Richard Donner, for most movie fans, is most known for the two- first two Superman films with Christopher Reeve. This is a bug. It was. It stars Matthew Broderick, Rudger Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Leo McKern, and John Wood, with a small part by Alfred Molina. Yeah, Doc Ock. That was pretty cool. That was. And he still looked dirty and gross. I think he looked dirty and gross in all of the Doc Ock. Really? I think so. But that's just the character that he plays. Yeah. He also plays a uh, somewhat sleazy priest in um, Da Vinci Code. God, now I gotta rewatch because I don't remember seeing him in that. <laughs> um, so this movie, it's uh, it's a Warner Brothers 20th Century Fox um high fantasy film it was originally released april 12th 1985 damn so we are wait a minute what is the date uh today is april 9th so in a couple of days it will have its 36 it's 36th birthday oh this movie's <laughs> as old as i am oh god this was made on a budget of 20 million dollars i can see why but it brought in a box office of 18.4 million so it was a commercial flop not so much a flop. This it did miss the mark, though. Yeah, and I can understand why because I think if you're not paying enough attention to this movie, you will get lost. I, and honestly, until it snapped in my head at some parts, I was like, and then it went, oh, like you heard me visibly go, oh, okay, I get yeah. it, I get it now. It, okay. it took until I think it was about almost at the midpoint, mid-point. to where everything kind of came together, and you were like. Oh, that's what's happening. That's it. Okay. But they don't give you any clear, like, they don't hold your hand with this one. They're like, here, here's the story. Fucking figure it out. (laughs) Which I appreciate, but I also see where in the mid 80s, it wasn't going to flesh out. This movie would have done spectacularly now. Spectacularly. I think so. Like, with all the high fantasy, the Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potter, like, all of that Game of Thrones, this is like a nice little nest right in between that stuff. Agreed. Back then, no. People thought, uh, like, high fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons was stupid back then. No offense if you did like it. I'm a huge nerd of D&D and all of that crap. Trust me, I've got books everywhere. They're just hiding. And I play D&D. Have been for about close to 17 or 18 years now. But honestly, there was a big, like, whole kick about all that shit back then. So I can see where it kind of missed the mark. This 
Yeah, this comes off less like a high fantasy than I expected, and mm. it's more... It's more like a period... Drama? Romantic drama. Yeah, like, it's, it's interesting. It's very... Like, the story behind it, if you look past, like, some of the low lower production issues and stuff like that, it, it's a really strong story. It is. And I would almost say you could do a pretty good remake of this mm. now. I don't want it, but... No. But you know what? I don't want it, but I kind of do. I kind of want to see this movie get a little bit of a, a spotlight. Because, like, come on, Matthew Broderick was so young. Michelle Pfeiffer looked incredible. Rutger Hauer? You were fanboying a little when he I came love on Rutger Hauer. So I've loved Rutger Hauer ever since I first saw him in The Hitcher. Because uh, I'm a huge horror fan, so, mm-hmm. like, obviously I was introduced to him there. But And then I saw him in Blade Runner and uh, all the way up until... Um, Hobo with a shotgun. He's like, in Hobo with a shotgun? He's the hobo. <laughs> we have been making Hobo with a shotgun jokes for the entirety of our relationship. And I didn't know Rudger Hauer was the hobo. Oh, yes. And he is fucking amazing. <laughs> I've been missing out, guys. Don't worry. We're I've never seen there. Blade Runner. I've never seen half the stuff that all of these great actors are in. Except for Jean-Claude Van Damme. He can <sighs> go away. Have you seen the poster for this movie? Is this it? Because this is what I thought it was. No, that's, that's not, a poster. That's a poster. But the actual theatrical poster Hang for on. this Hang is on. gorgeous. Yep, that's the one. That's the poster? Yeah. That is a pretty poster. Sick poster. And friggin' Rudger Hauer is not even on it. Does Rudger Hauer have to be on everything? Well, I mean, he's one of the main characters. It's oh, kind of yeah. surprising. Look up Lady Hawk 1985, Leah. There it is. <laughs> Wow, it's very colorful. I like that. Yeah. Okay, so it has the sword. It has her. It has Matthew. Rutger Hauer is like the biggest part of that fucking movie. I know. Like even this one that I have is the background for today. Why? Where's where's Rutger, man? Where's Rutger? No love for the Hauer. Um, So do you want to kind of start kicking us off on how we got through this? Yes. So... I realized while researching a little bit, I don't have a lot of fun facts about this one. You're uh, your fun fact man on that laptop today. Um, this is set in medieval Italy. And the castle that the bishop is in is based off of an actual castle in Italy from medieval Italy. I cannot pronounce it. Um, it's A-Q-I-L-A. That is Aquila. That is where the bishop's from. But it's L'Aquila. L, comma, A-Q-L-A. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So this movie really confused me. And now I understand where Labyrinth got their opener from. Yeah. 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 Because everyone knows the opener for Labyrinth. Everyone. We will cover Labyrinth, but we're doing that on a very special day. Um... But this starts off with an opening of, you hear the hawk, you hear like something, and then the font is awesome looking. It, I love the font. Similar like, to what's it, on the cover. Not, not really, it had more jagged edges. Yeah, but it's like the same layout. Yeah. And then, the, But like the font, the letters themselves are like this more like They look jagged, like scythes. 
they kind of remi- it reminds me of like if you were to pick up a paperback novel. Yeah. Like yep. a fantasy novel. It would be like written like that. And then it was an orchestrated rock song in the background. It's it's like uh so I wrote down in my notes for this like that that uh the mu- music throughout this whole movie is like this weird like slightly rocky orchestrated funky synth. It didn't fit some of the scenes. No, it's so <laughs> weird. Like and this this credit sequence it, like it literally kicks off with it's like all upbeat and synthy and mm. it almost it felt to be like we should have been like running alongside Rocky Balboa training to fight Apollo Creed. <laughs> like it was so but then, weird. But then he had to have like the peasant robes and he's not going up the steps in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> check mark for one thing. Um, but he's going up like the steps of like the cathedral. Like it, it, it felt weird. It's so weird. So strange. Like I don't, I don't I, know what the thought process was there. <laughs> I put opening music is cool, but it reminds me of Xanadu. Okay. Like, and you can see where the 80s high fantasies pulled from each other. But I will say, after watching this, I still love Labyrinth Sylvan opening a hell yeah. a lot more. Maybe it's because I like owls more than hawks. I think it's the Bowie. Um, <laughs> I just put burb. Every time I see the hawk, I just put burb. Because <laughs> I like burbs. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> the first time we see Matthew Broderick, our star of this movie. He's digging he's like, the hole. He's crawling through a muddy wall <laughs> trying to escape, uh, escape the castle. Like it's, he even mentions like it's his mother's womb. What was it? What? It's unlike, it's, it's not unlike escaping mother's womb. What a memory. How do what? you remember that? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, um, let's see. I kept laughing because it was him digging and then people hanging. Yeah. I was like, we just took a left turn with that scene. It was a, it was a pretty, like, somewhat dark opening in in this ways. This movie's very dark the whole way through, though. Like, it has very dark undertones. It does. The undertones are very dark. But something I want to draw attention to with this is, like, so you have this pretty straightforward high fantasy story. But... We all know Matthew Broderick from his Ferris Bueller days. Um, <laughs> he's a naturally funny person. The producers. The producers. Holy shit. Even, I'll go as far as to say Godzilla. That's a lot of fish. Yeah. <laughs> we can uh, cover that. <laughs> like, his natural comedy and wit comes through in this performance, even though he's in this medieval setting and, like... What did I say at one point? He shouldn't be that funny, but he, he is, and... It's weird that this movie focuses on a main character who's would normally be the comic relief to the yes. hero. I will say, I wrote this. This was between the fight scene where he started bragging and shit, and I'm like, fucking dumbass. I know why Broderick is a is a bomb ass actor. He gives his all in this fight scene. He never stops during the rest of the movie. This is why this man has a career to this day. I agree. He is insane. And he's a theater actor. So for him, you act, you project and act for the back of the room. He is projecting. He is doing his best to stay in that mindset while all, always being in front of the camera. Her, his faces, his expressions are bigger, are wider. I just, I don't know what it is. Like, he made the movie, like, really entertaining. You know, come to think of it, actually, I think this whole cast, Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm not positive. 
But yeah. I think every like Alfred Molina, I know He's Rutger Hauer, yep. they were all stage actors. I think it said John Wood was a stage actor too when I was browsing. I too. believe that. Which honestly, I love theater actors. I really do. They bring something else to a film. They do, and I will say, we I had mentioned it during the the film. But he and Sarah Jessica Parker have been married for 25, 26 years, have three children, and they met as theater kids in 1991. Well, not kids, but you know what I mean. They were theater actors. One of those lasting Hollywood love stories. Right? And you would think, <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw, Ferris Bueller. How Two different worlds. did this happen? <laughs> I am a huge fan of Sex and the City. Not a big fan of... And, and just like that. I saw two episodes of And Just Like That. Two. And Just Like That? That is the sequel to um, Sex and the City. I thought it was literally just called Sex and the City nope. again. Because it's not the same thing. It's called And Just Like That. Because oh. when she ended stuff in the show, she would say, And Just Like That, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So that was the spinoff. Gotcha. I did not like that show. But... I figured that someday we might talk about it. God, I hope not. Oh, I'm going to make you watch all... I bought all of Sex and the City. All of Sex and the City. And I have, uh, I have, I have a subscription to HBO. I'm going to make him watch <laughs> all of this. And he's just going to be there for the naked boobs. And I'm okay with that because <laughs> the plot is... <laughs> it's 90s sex. What do you want? But, I mean, I'm... I've always been a fan of Matthew Broderick. Always. This just made me realize, like, he's, like, maybe 24, 25 in this movie. Maybe even younger. Mm. And he's so good. I wasn't... I thought I'd be bored with this movie. I was not bored at one... Anything. No, I actually... I kind of went in with the same thought process. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Yeah, we might. But I actually really enjoyed it. Yep. Um, I thought everybody gave great performances. Um, Matthew Broderick was obviously, like, the the fun side of the whole thing, but mm. then, like, Michelle Pfeiffer and Rudger Howard, they gave this, like, really, this mystique yes. throughout the whole thing where you never, like, entirely know them, but you know them enough through Matthew Broderick's interaction. Yes. I don't know. It, I thought everybody did a great job. So I noticed one thing during the scene where the guards go get Matthew Broderick's character is main, named Philippe Gaston, but they call him Philippe the Mouse. Because he can get through anything. He's tiny. Um, in the scene where they're showing where he got out, the drain is about this big. I'm like, there ain't no way Matthew Roderick fit through that. And then the hole gets bigger, and then it gets smaller again. But then I noticed the drain's on. It's off at one point, and then it's on, and then it's off, and it's on. And I'm like, did the 80s not pay attention to continuity? Yeah, so they're... In older movies like this, you're generally going to find a lot of small continuity errors like that. Yep. Because sometimes shit just gets... And then in the sewer, when he's escaping, he goes from soaking wet to holding on to the pillar thing to completely dry to soaking wet again to only half of him's wet. And I'm like, what is happening? Well, <laughs> so like a lot of that ends up getting chalked up to the fact that movies like these... This one, not really because the budget was huge, but uh, movies fantasy movies and um, a lot of other like horror films for example they generally have low budgets and they have to shoot very quickly yeah so a lot of the time continuity will kind of go out the window because they're just trying to get it done yeah um, 
This one, I don't, maybe their shooting schedule was really strict, so they had to kind of just go. Yeah, maybe that, that whole being in the sewer thing was just weird. Because it was only the drain in the sewer. Yeah. I noticed no real other errors. No. Except for maybe at one point, he was walking out at the end with the cloak on, and then all of a sudden the cloak was gone. And I'm like, they probably were doing pickup shots and needed a, wanted a longer shot of them leaving. Yeah. Which would make sense. But other than that, I didn't really see any other errors. Like, everything else seemed pretty good um you know that uh warner brothers when this movie came out they fucking they falsely marketed this movie as being based on a true medieval legend i mean this sounds like it would be a medieval legend it's good enough to for me to believe that um but apparently no the screenwriter was like super pissed that they were calling it a medieval legend Studios um, take a lot of liberties, though, which... They really do. Fucking, it's terrible how much they'll be like, oh, based on a true story, he escapes, he's trying to run away. Um, they didn't say what he did other than he's just a pickpocket. The whole time, he's praying to God. Oh, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never pickpocket. Ten seconds later, he's pickpocketing a guard in a lake, escaping. Um, he steals clothes throughout the, like, villages that he's trying to escape. You know who he kind of reminds me of? A um, little bit. When he's doing the whole, like, oh, Lord, forgive me, I- I'll be a good poor person. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Van Helsing? With, he reminds me of the monk. A little. Because, like, in that movie... Are we talking about old Van Helsing, or are we talking about Wolverine Van Helsing? Wolverine Van Helsing. I, um, I... I have to be honest, I hated that movie I tuned out. It's not great. <laughs> like, it's the only time where I was like, oh, Wolverine. The uh, the monk in that movie, I will never remember the actor's Is name. Is that supposed to be um, Renfield? No. No. No, no, no. no. He's like a completely new character, yeah, I'm pretty I gotta, sure. I gotta Google Van Helsing monk. But he, um, in that movie, he plays like this this monk who like kind of plays it fast and loose with religion. That's Faramir! Yes. Uh, he plays fast and loose with like religion in that. So like, he um, there's one scene in in that movie where he swears, and then uh, Van Helsing's like, "You're a monk. You're not supposed to swear." I can curse all I want. Damn it! Is the video that comes yeah. up pops up on YouTube? I can curse all I want. Damn it! <laughs> but I got way too excited that this is fair. His um. The way he he plays that character, it remind like seeing Matthew Broderick like praying to God, but then like continue being an asshole. Is it, it so, just reminded me of he's it? He's like, "Who wants a drink? I am the bravest. I am the strongest. I escaped all the guards that are looking for him." And I'm like, "I I put you dipshit, dumb ass, <laughs> bragging and shit. What the fuck?" And then my next thing is my next thing. Your neck thing. TSA took my quad away. <laughs> That's been our big thing. We've been watching Smosh. What is it? Smosh? Try not to laugh. TSA took my claws away. How am I supposed to fight Magneto now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I got stupid excited when I heard you go, Woo! Rutger coming on screen. He did this little, Woo! I was like, oh, fanboy. (laughs) So, to be fair... (laughs) Not only, like, it's Rudger Hauer. Like, I've been a fan of his forever. Mm. But he shows up in this movie, and he's this badass, like, black knight 
um, with this sword brandishing like a crossbow, huge broadsword, a huge broadsword, and he takes out an entire squad he of has, knights. Like, sweeping blonde hair and good looks, and I'm like, oh my god! It was this awesome. Is, this is the bad guy from fucking Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh In god. that, his hair is completely white. Yeah, that I know. <laughs> um, there's that whole fight scene between them, which was really good, very yeah. good. And then as Matthew Broderick's character, Mouse, is running away. He says, you filthy strumpets. <laughs> I had to Google. I'm like, what's a strumpet? And then I got lost because I had to focus back on the movie. Uh, next thing I said was, Mouse never fucking stops talking. He talks constantly. But obviously, like, you have to talk to yourself. You had nothing else to entertain you back then. Yeah. But he looked like a fucking crazy person talking all the time. It didn't matter what it was. He always narr- he narrated his own story. Yes, which I actually kind of thought was cool, because like it gave not only us something to like focus on and like, but it also kind of put us in his position. Yeah, like he's this type of person, and we're like seeing experiencing this whole kind of story frantic, through a him. A little mad and like not sure what he's doing with himself. Yeah. But there were also moments where I noticed that I thought he was doing that, mm-hmm. just rambling to himself, but then I realized he was doing something else. So, like, for example, there was the part where he's collecting firewood, mm. and then he hears the, the, the it was the wolf yeah. coming, and he hears, like, the branches snapping, and he's, like, talking to himself that whole time. Oh, and, and then he's like, oh, good job, Lewis. Hey, Philip, hold down the fort. At first, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? But then I was like, oh, he's... He's pretending to talk to other people. So, so he, he thinks can... there's a... So whatever that is thinks it's a group rather than one. Yep. <laughs> I thought that I was, was like, really cool. Okay, that's very, very clever. Um. So that's where we get to, you know, he's with Rutger Howard. They stay at, like, a very poor village for the night in, like... The, the barn or whatever. I don't even think it was a village. I think it was just like a farm. Yeah, like, a, like in the it, woods. It was like a hovel or something like that. And they, the people that live there, tell him, "Oh, you can stay in the the barn." Because he's like, "Oh, we have coin. We can pay you." I don't really think they give a shit about the coin. No. Um, but there, it's like, "Oh, don't disturb me at night." Like he, Rudger Howard locks himself, or um, Navar locks himself in like a room. And he has a hawk with him at all times. There is a hawk just riding with him, with him at all times. And as night falls and he's being chased by the, um, mouse is being chased by the wolf trying to get firewood. He's like, oh, there's, there's, there's a wolf, there's a wolf, help me, help me. And he doesn't realize what's going on. He breaks in, he tries to like get the crossbow, fucks that shit up like entirely. And then this beautiful fucking woman appears. He beautiful. Oh my god. I wrote Michelle is so pretty. I think I just fell in love. She is is still was amazingly beautiful. Still is to this day at 60 years old. I think in this movie this is the most beautiful I've ever seen. Her. Holy shit. I mean, I love that shit fucking crazy Catwoman. Always will love her like that. I love her in What Lies Beneath. Right? That's the right one. That's Oh, what, yeah. That's yeah. Her in, um, that's her and Harrison. Yep. Uh, and Rutger Hauer's their connection. Uh. <laughs> um, but this was like, holy Christ, Michelle. No wonder why everyone wanted to be here in the 80s. Everybody. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm like, I wish I looked like her. She's so pretty. 
the introduction, her introduction into this movie is very like ethereal, almost elvish like. Yeah, it's a little bit ethereal. Elvish is a good way to put it. Um, and it takes a while for you to really understand what what's happening, where what's going like, on. Where there. the fuck did you show up? And all of a sudden, she goes right to the wolf, and she walks away with him. And there's Mouse going. What what is happening? What what is happening? Am I dreaming? And she says, "Yes, you're dreaming." And he's like, "Uh, what's going on?" So he goes to sleep. Um, that also brings in to something I wanted to just mention quickly mm. is uh, they do a, they shoot a lot in this movie. It's at least a few times throughout uh, day for night. Yes, they do. So it's day but for they night. They have to based on the the story. They have to do day for night. Yes. Day for Night, for those who don't know what it is, it's uh, essentially when you make a movie and you shoot a scene during the day, but it's meant to be at night. Mm. So then you post-convert the footage with like a blue filter or something to make it look like night. They do this a couple times in this movie. By the way, if you're a filmmaker, don't ever fucking do this. It's terrible. (laughs) Uh, They do it a few times. I forgive it because it was the 80s and who gives a shit. I couldn't tell. I personally could not tell. There's, there's a thousand ways you can tell. That's because you're a movie dude. Um, so, what this scene where Michelle Pfeiffer shows up is the first time they do it. it mm. And in this scene, it's not like a blue filter. They do it. It's almost like a purpley, like slight haze. Mm. So you're not even really sure it's night until they start to, you know, kind of talk about it. Yeah, and say it's, it's, it's night. But um, when they started doing this, I kind of wasn't entirely sure if they were shooting day for night and like these were supposed to be night scenes Mm. or if we were supposed to be in his dreams. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is this like a dreamscape that he's in? But maybe that's how he's remembering it. Maybe he's telling the story years later and that's how he was remembering that it was ethereal-like to see her and it affected yeah. the whole evening that he had. Maybe. I like. I don't entirely know. Like I I know it wasn't his dreams now because yeah. I've watched the whole thing, but it was just kind of interesting Like as it was going. I was like, oh, is this... Are we in just dreams? Or what's going on? Mm. It was uh, very interesting. Yeah, it was just a really cool idea. I would like to point out that we are actually drinking coffee today. We're always drinking coffee. Always. My first cup was a huge Dunkin' Donuts cold brew. You had your donkeys? I am a donkey. <laughs> I hate myself right now. We are drinking the last of Incubus's morning brew. I'm a huge fan of Incubus, and I really wanted to try their whole bean coffee. And I think it was a medium roast. It's not terrible. No, it's alright. It has what feels like it should be a big bite in the beginning, and then it dulls very fast at the end. Yeah. Which, I always put, like, some sort of, like, pumpkin spice or French vanilla stuff in it, and then I put a creamer in mine. Just because my coffee has to go from, when you make it piping hot, to I drink it all day, and by the time I go home, it's like iced coffee, so it's gonna last me through the day. And I don't drink that much coffee now, but I'm noticing that I'm not falling asleep again. So uh, I gotta dial back on the caffeine. <laughs> but this one's not too bad, but it is unfortunately the last of this. This is actually the last. Yeah, we've been drinking. We've been drinking this uh, bring, for a while. Drinking this for like at least the past few weeks. Yeah. And 
It's not bad if you're... It's better than Stop and Shop or Shaw's brand. Yes, we are basically done with buying fucking coffee from the grocery store. <laughs> we're uh, we're yeah. trying to branch out and get like more specialty brews and stuff like that. And this is a house, this is a YouTube household. So we are both using YouTuber mugs right now. Yes, mine is from Top of the Morning Coffee Company. By uh, Sean McLaughlin. Sean McLaughlin. Uh, also Jack Septicai. And yeah. my coffee mug is Build the Ladder. It's from Martina, King Kogi. I love, I love Martina and I love King Kogi. This is King Kogi. I could go into the whole background of King Kogi, but uh, I'm just going to stop right there because that's a whole <laughs> different video. Um, but yeah, we got three bags of Jack's coffee. We got Midnight Oil or Midnight Brew or whatever, it's Golden Hour, and then the regular one. So we're going to start with the dark one, which will have to be the next video. Yeah. So I'm excited to see if this dirty bean water is as good as he says it is. I mean, you know, I've drank a lot of dirty bean water and so far not a lot's impressed me. But back to the movie. So now, um, Isabel, Isabel, Isabu. Isabel. We're going to call her Izzy. Isabel. Isabel. I thought it was Elizabeth, but I think it's supposed to be Isabella. But I think it's like a medieval... Like yeah. the beginning of it, so it's supposed to be Isabel or Isaba. I can't remember it, so I'm gonna call her Izzy because somebody <laughs> called her Izzy at one point. And I'm like, it's staying. I'm calling her Izzy. So Izzy and the wolf walk away, and Mouse falls asleep. The next morning, um, he and Rudger or Navarre are walking, and he's got the hawk with him. Um, they're walking, it's like cold, it's rainy, they decide to like take a break and kind of rest. And Mouse starts talking about, oh, I, I had a dream, and in this dream there was this beautiful woman, and you can see, and I put Rudker's sly little shit-ass eating grin. Because he knows something, but he's like, oh, tell me about this dream you had with this beautiful woman, because I'd love to know more. This was the point where I started to kind of like figure it out. Yeah. It's like it started to kind of piece it together. I was like, oh, okay, I think this is what's happening. Yeah. To where, all right, I know that, but what's his big thing? Yeah. I didn't really figure that out till later. Um. So then he kind of talks a little bit about Izzy. Or, no, he talks a little bit about, oh, I would much love to know her name. That way, if she comes into my dreams, I can see her. And then he's got that shit-eating grin, and I'm like, all right, you little bastard. What do you know, Mr. Howard? Um, then we cut to a, a, a guard or like, uh, the Vatican or whatever the fuck they are guard on a horse going through a field headed towards some sheep. These sheep part the seas. This dude hops off one horse, gets on another and keeps going. It's like, did he just drive by, steal a horse? I don't think he stole it. I think he traded it off because like that horse was probably tired and he had to but get there. it was there. so funny. Just like yeah. all these sheep like, yeah. Well, that was, that's something, throughout this whole movie, there's like, even though it's a super serious there's story, comedy, but there's these little nuggets it's humorous. Comedy. These small moments, like, obviously it Matthew Broderick is the main one, but. Too seriously. No, it doesn't. And I like that about it. Because it could easily take itself too seriously and really pull you out of it. Yeah. It could be like Beowulf. Which, which, which the, uh. Are we talking about, um, Angelina uh, Jolie? Yeah, that one. I love Beowulf. I love the poem of Beowulf. 
I have it in original, and I have it with Tolkien translating the text from Oxford That's University. gotta be interesting. Trust me, like, it's taken me years to read this, because Beowulf is a very tough read, because it's an old English. So you have to kind of translate it. So it's nice to have Mr. Tolkien translating it for you, but it's still being translated in 1920. So it's like, that's a hundred years ago, dude. Like I talk more or less like, yeah, you guys ain't shit, are you, huh? Like, it's, it's very tough. It's very, very tough. But it's nice that this isn't taken completely too seriously like some other things could be. Um, we cut to that guard barrel-assing and it's not the guard it's the the main it's the captain of the guard yeah i forget what his name is uh, uh, yeah i don't remember totally he was like he was an important character but he was not an important character like he wasn't memorable and he gets there and he runs in and he interrupts the bishop with ladies dancing and robes and like all this other weird shit but they had you notice she had feathers on her robes and i was like huh interesting <laughs> who do we sell our soul to um interrupts him and he's like oh how come you don't have you know navarro's head he's like oh no how come you don't have the the thief he's like navarro's back i shit you not that priest pissed himself right there i wrote nothing like a priest pissing himself in front of everybody <laughs> and he's just like walk with me <laughs> like jesus I hated that priest. I hated it. Even the actor. I hated the actor, which is good because you want, when you're a bad guy, you want people to hate you. Yes. And I think he played that part really well. I think the example of hating a person so much that you hate the actor is the woman who plays Regina Mills from Once Upon a Time. Lana Paulina, Palella, Paulina. I know it's Lana, her first name. You're talking about... Uh, Once Upon a Time. She Once plays... Maleficent, right? Essentially, not Maleficent. No, she's um, the evil queen. Evil queen, yeah. I hated that character so much in the beginning. I there's a reason why I have a, a Regina pop. I love Regina. By the end, she has her whole arc. She's redeemed. It's great. We don't talk about the last season of that fucking show, though. I've never seen. Oh, the don't, ending. don't do it. Don't just you know everybody's I, happy and that's the end at that diner. That's it. I stopped at Frozen. Like when they frozen were, was hard when to they get were <laughs> when they oh. said that the frozen characters were coming in, I was like, I'm I'm all set. <laughs> you know what killed this. me was when fucking um, Emma became the dark one. That was the one that was tough to swallow, yeah. but that storyline was incredible. Anyways, that's a whole nother topic because <laughs> I get passionate about that shit. But you want to hate your villain. You want to hate them, like Kathy Bates in Misery. Yeah. I have never seen Misery, oh. but I know people hate her because she plays a good villain. She did that. She played um, a villain in Roanoke. She's played other villains. I hate Kathy Bates. I love her. I hate her so much. I love her as an actress. You want people to hate you when they watch something and to walk out of there and go, I hate you so much. It affected me. And yeah, I definitely think this guy... He does a really good job yeah. with this character, even though he's not really in a ton of the movie. Not, but his presence is like the way his face and his stern seriousness. He reminded me of Rolo, Ro- Roflo, uh, from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what he reminded me of. Same kind of vibe, too. He's very Same much that, story. Char- that type yeah. of character. I just expected him to break out singing Hellfire at one point. <laughs> 
I wrote chicken shit, and then I wrote ambushed. Uh, I don't remember why I put... Oh, they ambushed him on... They ambushed him in, like, a field or something like yeah. that. They ambushed him in a field, and there was a fight, and somehow the hawk got shot. Yeah, uh, so, like, one of the guys gets knocked down, his crossbow goes off, and... Right through the hawk. Hits the But hawk. at the same time, this is what threw me off a little. He got shot, and then I noticed Rudker was shot in almost the same spot, and I'm like, oh, are they, like, injury-connected? Like, that's one of the things that I went, oh, no, like, is there their fate so intertwined that if one gets hurt the other one gets hurt yeah and i was like oh that's interesting that would have been a cool way not to take the case it. but that was like i feel like that was the red herring they threw in there for you like, maybe oh by the way yeah um the hawk got shot but he's also shot in the same spot and you're like well now what happens so after that the hawk goes down realize oh the hawk will be fine just needs medical attention so Howard's like, I can't do it. I won't. I, I won't. I won't make it in time. You need to take her. And it, it to me, it was like, I don't understand. What do you mean you won't make it in time? I don't get it. What what the fuck's happening? You know, cut to Mouse getting to this castle. Before you get too far there, yeah, I actually have a funny story about this scene. Really? Yes. So in this scene, like you said, he uh, he tells uh, Mouse that he has to go. Yes. Uh, because he won't get there. Yeah, or whatever that's what confused me. But, uh, so, puts the mouse on the horse, and uh, apparently, uh, the first time they filmed this scene, Howard slapped the horse too hard, to, and the horse took off over the hill and off into the horizon. The horse was too powerful for Broderick to stop. So everyone just had to stand around and wait for the horse to decide to come back. So Matthew Broderick was stuck on this horse with yeah. this prop hawk. Yep. Well, was was it the actual hawk in his arms or was it prop? Because the whole time that hawk was wrapped up. That was a real I'm hawk. I'm assuming it was probably a prop. Like, I, I think they would have only had the hawk for close-ups. Yeah. But but holy shit, just Broderick be like, help me! Please! Please help me! <laughs> oh. So Broderick gets to what is essentially, he said there's a monk in a ruined castle. So he gets there. And it's nighttime. And you notice that there's a wolf howling in the background. And it, I'm like sitting here like not getting it, not clicking. They take him in. They take him in. The hawk gets laid down. He's like, I'll take care of you. Get out. He locks the door on him. A little while later, Mouse breaks in. And where the hawk was is now Izzy. Shot in the same spot. And I went... She is the hawk. Actually, I knew she was the hawk the whole fucking time. It's called Lady Hawk. It's called Lady Hawk, Hawk, for God's sake. But it wasn't until, you know, okay, we're going to give you medication. We're going to pull this out. You've got to rest. It wasn't until Imperius, which was the name of the monk, and Mouse are outside. And he's telling him the story about how the bishop fell in love with Izzy the first time he saw her so much that he was obsessed writing letters wanting to see her and she was rejecting every single thing so it got to the point where they confided in a priest there of their love between navarre and izzy that priest broke his oath one night and ended up slipping to the bishop that they were in love and the bishop sold his soul to make sure they could never walk together in flesh which means, and this is when it clicked, I was like, oh, she is a hawk by day, a woman by night, 
He is a man by day, a wolf by night. So they are prey and predator. So it would look very weird for them to be like, it's so strange. And while they're in their animal forms, they have no idea. None yeah, at they all. They lose all grasp on like memory and yes, reality. But the wolf protects her fiercely and he protects the hawk fiercely and the hawk stays with him. Yeah. It isn't until after a couple of times after Izzy is with Mouse a lot that the hawk goes to Mouse and <laughs> Rutger doesn't get upset. He gets, oh, wow, she she trusts you. That's that's good. Yeah. But at this scene, hearing Imperius tell the whole story about why this is and what's happening and how he's like, I know I can break the curse. There's one day where day becomes night, night becomes day. It's not either or. It's both at the same time where they can both walk again together and if they stand in front of him they can break the curse and when Mouse tells Navar Navar's like no fuck you I'm just gonna kill him like if you could be with her again wouldn't you want to try he's like hell bent on this fucking revenge well you gotta think he says early on that he, for two su- like almost two years he's been dedicated to this one mission is, which is killing the bishop and getting the gem, his gem in his family sword. Yeah. But I think that's what it started out as. Now it's just pure blinding revenge rage. It's death wish medieval. In a way. Except yeah. Izzy wasn't raped. That we know of. Oh, well, <laughs> hope not. She's very sweet. She does. She is kind of spitfire, so I don't know. Um... All I have to say is during the scenes where Mouse is taking the hawk to the to Imperius and she, the hawk is hurt, all I know is the hawk is just in his arms like, meh, meh, meh. I am peeking something fierce and it's funny. Meh. This hawk is just <laughs> fucking screaming the whole time. And I'm like, oh dear God. Oh, and then I think this is going to be your favorite line, so I can't repeat it. Imperius says it, and I'm like, oh no, that's going to be Sean's favorite line. I can't. Uh, that's when I put, oh, Navarro is the black wolf. Right, right. And then I said, oh, she got she got shot right in the tit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's a line that Imperius says that fucking broke my heart in two. And there's a reason why I'm going to try my best not to get emotional. And I even told you this while we were making coffee. Um, We lost a friend of ours a couple weeks ago. And it's still very, very fucking raw at this point. And if you can't tell, we're recording this. It's still, it's April of 2022. We just lost him in March. And one of the things about that funeral that we were all okay we were all fine, me and my friends, you guys, everybody, until his wife came in. That's when we lost it. And this really spoke to me as what I see them now as. And the line is, always together, eternally apart. And it's very, very touching. And it killed me because it's this movie pretty much is that kind of story where you still have that love very close to you. But you, and can never... but you can never touch or see them. Yeah. And this has, spoiler alert, has a happy ending. And it kills me that this is still a high fantasy. 
that this shit doesn't happen in real life. Not usually. No. And I wish it could because I would give everything I could to have my friend come back to be with his wife and his friends and his family. But I even told you I was going to do this because it's still very <laughs> raw. We're like, what? He's only been gone for three weeks. And yeah. I'm still not okay. So watching movies like this and shows and I've had to listen to music. We put together the funeral video for him. Yep. I had to put together all of his music. It was tough. It's still tough. Certain things still spark you. And I thought for like the week I'd been focused on work. I've been fine. That got me. That really, really got me. And mo things like that are going to happen. Like yeah. You're going to get hit with these. Like something that comes out of nowhere you weren't expecting to see or hear that'll just spark that memory and it was and... like oh that's a beautiful phrase and all i saw is his wife in my my mind and i went really <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be something fun for us this is supposed to be something that we look forward to doing and like i said when we watched aristocats which we did that prior to his passing it'd been a while since we had done any recording unfortunately just because life You've been getting a lot of gigs. You know, you had just come off of doing a movie for a while. You had been doing a lot of gigs. You're getting a lot more gigs right now. Like, yeah. um, I was kind of in like a little rut and I was getting out of it. And this surprisingly pulled me out of the rut. It's, it's something, actually, yeah. something like this happening in life will kick you into gear yeah, sometimes. It, it really has. It has kicked us both into such high gear that we are both making a lot of decisions about our personal future yeah and we've made a lot of decisions about the podcast future and going forward with a shit ton of ideas we really want to do yeah and i know i've kind of gone off topic with this but i knew this was going to happen because for the rest of my life you know, this person, I wanted to have him on the podcast. We had planned to do Godzilla, to do one of the first Godzilla movies with him. Because let me tell you, he had an unhealthy obsession with fucking Godzilla. And after getting his baby photos from his family, he loved Godzilla. He's got pictures <laughs> of him playing with Godzilla and dinosaurs in the sand. It is incredible. And I really wanted him here because I think he would have fucking loved this. And he was so gung-ho about this idea when we talked about, like, briefly last summer. Like, oh, we really kind of want to do... He was like, oh, yeah, it'd be great. Go for it. And he's one of the ones that I was like, oh, my God. Joe would love to sit here and, like, do Godzilla. And I even said, we should do Matthew Broderick's Godzilla because everybody hates it. And he would have strong opinions about <laughs> it. But, like, it was one of those things where now that that person that was a huge influence in your life is gone you've dealt with this too you have to figure out how to kind of move on yeah how to pick up the pieces how to yeah. keep yourself going and i was only a friend i mean granted he was one of my best friends you yeah. know i mean for god's sakes he was such a good friend of mine i buried him with one of my cthulhu's <laughs> that was a set that you can never get anymore because he would hide it on me constantly at my old job. <laughs> every fucking day, this motherfucker would hide this Cthulhu every day. And he would, he, another one of my friends, Jess, was like, oh yeah, I remember. He'd come to my desk and be like, hide this before Leah sees it. I'd be like, why? <laughs> why do you keep <laughs> taking this? 
But I gave it to him in the call in the casket because I was like, here, now you won. You win. He's yours now. You can have him. <laughs> but this kind of hit me really hard and I'm like, this stuff like this is gonna hit us hard for the rest of our lives. And I no doubt anytime you do anything movie related, you must get hit still a little bit. Not as bad as I'm getting hit, but you must feel it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because I'll, like, I'll always wish uh, that person was still there, Yeah. and, you know, I just have to make do without them. You stopped for a while. I did. Uh, I stopped for at least six months. I tried to, like, just move on to do other things, and it I came back because it's what I love doing. Yeah. He loved to argue. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess for him, I should keep arguing with people, <laughs> but... It just goes to to show, and I want to say it here for people that are listening, for friends that are listening, because I know some of my friends listen to this and my family. You're not okay after this shit. I'm not. I'm 100% not okay. But you will be. But I will be. Because now there's less tears and more jokes about, oh, this is all his fault, or oh, he would have loved this, or oh, he would have hated this. And... You know, the people that this affected were never going to be okay, but we'll pick up the pieces and we'll get, it just got really windy in here. So I'm blaming it on him, Um, (laughs) (laughs) things like that. And this movie makes me hope that there is a happy ending for things. Well, on that note, speaking of big changes, kicking things into high gear mm-hmm. uh, I think now would be a good time to mention that this podcast is being kicked into high gear it is isn't it uh, we rec- very very recently got some pretty cool news um, that we, uh, so we do this podcast through anchor yes um, and basically since the early episodes we've been we've had a sponsorship through anchor um in every episode there's an ad you guys have heard it if you've been listening my stupid professional voice on the on the the podcast part yeah (laughs) but very recently we picked up two new affiliate sponsors we did and we are very very excited about both of them Mm -hmm. um so We hope this doesn't deter you, but please don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for more on Ladyhawk after the ad. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Break. We interrupt your regularly scheduled film talk for this important announcement. I know what you're thinking. Oh, God, not an ad. 
But trust me, if you have ever had a passing interest in podcasting, then you're going to want to hear about Anchor. Anchor is a podcast platform by Spotify, and it is way easier to make a podcast with absolutely everything you need to capture your audience all in one place. Anchor has the tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And choosing to host with Anchor means that you can distribute your podcast on all major listening platforms like Spotify, naturally, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. It also allows you to begin earning money with your show with no minimum listener requirements. Anchor was our first and only choice when we decided to start our show, and we cannot recommend it enough. So if you have an idea to podcast, don't wait any longer. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. <laughs> that was fucking terrible. That was so bad. Oh. Alright, I'm done crying. I'm done being an emotional piece of shit. Ah, on to the video! Where the hell were we? Uh, my next note is, oh, the green screen. Because at this point... <laughs> yeah, right? Because at this point, like, we've gone through the night, and... Well, we're almost through the night, and the guards for the bishop have found them, and they're trying to break in, and it's almost dawn. And... Imperius says, oh, Mouse, you need to protect her. Get her get her out of where she is. So they're running around and they're running around and running around and they end up on the top of a tower and they're trying to hide or figure out what to do and she slips and falls and Mouse tries to catch her and holds on to her. And as he's holding on to her, she slips and she's falling and screaming and she goes from falling and screaming as a woman to flying and screaming as a hawk. And I was like... It's a cool green, transition. It is a cool pen in the 80s. It was terrible. Yeah, I, mean, I would love... Okay, this is the only time where I think CGI would have been really cool. They did what they could. They did what they could, and but if they remade this... Honestly, though, I... You are a practical man. I appreciate it better. I would be... Uh, honestly, you know my, what my answer is. I want to see this have its day in, in, the, in the spotlight. Yeah. I think someone would make this great. Just not you, because you won't use any CGI. It'll all have to be practical. I hate CGI. Like, all right, so in the right setting, like, if you're watching a Marvel movie, you expect it. Like, I, yeah. I'm i fine with it in those situations. Me, personally, I never plan to make anything that big or that grandiose. Mm. So I would never want to use CGI for anything. I yeah. hate it. Like, I don't even like using green screen. If I if somebody suggests that they want me to do green screen, like my boss currently has suggested it a number of times, and I every time I'm like I don't want to do that. Keep my <laughs> opinions to myself. So, <laughs> uh, it's not a bashing it's podcast. Just, I feel like it never looks good, no matter how good you do it. You can always tell, and it. It bothers me. Okay, green screen was a great idea while technology was still trying to come of age. Yeah. We're in the age where, all right, look at Endgame for Marvel. Holy shit. The CGI is incredible. It's appropriate in its use. You say you don't like high fantasy, but here we are with a uh, obsession of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those are high fantasy. It's a different kind of high fantasy. What do you mean it's a different? No, it's high fantasy. It is high fantasy. When I say high fantasy, I mean, like, sword and shield, sword and sorcery type of thing. That, that has never been my Captain thing. Captain America. Doctor Strange. G- sword and sorcery. 
like medieval times <laughs> style stuff has never been my Shang Chi. Also, not medieval times. They've been around since medieval times. They even say it. Yeah, I have also never been a huge fan of Shang Chi. Dude, that movie. The rocked. movie was great. That was good. <laughs> but we're wasn't not talking sure about, about his comic Marvel. relief though. I wasn't like she was. Although I want whatever that butt plushie is. Oh, the the little the things little with wings. Oh, my next comment is Rudger Hauer comes in and he's there. He fights the bad guys. Da, da, da. But when he comes in, I made this note. Why do you look so fucking cool all the time, Mr. Hauer? He looks badass. He, really he doesn't does. look bad in any of these scenes. He just walks in like, I own this place. Thank you very much. I don't know what his accent is because they Americanize it every time. Which pisses me off. I wish he didn't have to have the... I want to hear his natural accent. But, like, holy shit. Um, so then we clicked into what day to night and night to day meant. It meant eclipse. So in three days' time, there's going to be an eclipse to where Navarre and Izzy can walk together. Which I think if the curse could not be reversed, that would be a day you'd be counting down to. But unfortunately, eclipses don't really happen that often. It would be kind of like uh, Elizabeth and um, Will in Pirates. Oh, where every like seven years you yeah, can return. It would yeah. be like that. Which is a really cool like tragic love story yes. kind of thing. I, I would even have been happy if that was where they went with this. Yes, where it was here you know like... Okay, he killed the bishop. The curse can't be broken. Now you know we have to keep track of when the eclipse or day to night, night to day will be. So they can walk together. Right. Which sucks because they only last like... It's not very long. Not, no, it's not very long what they last. But um, let's see. Then we meet Doc Ock. There's a scene where Doc Ock shows up and he's a, a, a wolf killer. He's a trapper. He's a trapper. An so expert trapper. He's been employed by the bishop to trap and skin wolves for their pelts to prove that he's caught Navarre. But every wolf he's caught is not a pure black wolf. I mean, Navarre's wolf is black as midnight. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful wolf they used. Because at one point they... And I think it's it's a wolfhound. It's not an actual wolf they use. Yeah. Because, oh my god, he, what a beautiful, beautiful dog. Wolf. Dog man? Creature? What a beautiful Beautiful skin. beast. Beautiful beast. Look at you, you beautiful beast. <laughs> you sexy beast, you. But Doc Ock doesn't last long. No. no. Um, His presence is pretty cool in the movie. Like, I I liked his character. Do you know what you reminded me of? We, You and I have watched two out of three of the Hobbit movies. Mm. He reminds me of the dude with the unibrow and the lake town. Oh, That's yeah, what he yeah, looked yeah. like to me, is that character. Similar, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he he goes out, tries to trap Navarre, finds a different black wolf. Navarre finds him as a wolf, does something, pins him down, and Doc Ock's character gets a trap through his fucking skull. Yep. Oof. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was amazing. Um, after that, I'm not really sure what, how we go from there to the next part, because I got a little confused. 
but from what I understand is he was so hell-bent on his revenge he wouldn't listen to Imperious and Mouse. So Imperious, Mouse, and Izzy formulate a plan to trap him, not, not bad trap him, but trap him to the point where he fell asleep with Izzy and they could see each other once more during Twilight. Yeah. And it... The scene prior to it is she's trying to get him into the little, like, ditch or whatever they built. Yeah, they dig like this hole in the ground where the where he'll he'll fit, and he goes and walks across the ice, and the wolf falls in, and he almost dies. But then Mouse jumps in to save him, and the the wolf mauls almost mauls and kills Mouse. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he's got like this whole side of him is all mauled, scratched, and his arms all beaten up. And they do this, they get they get him into the hole, they rescue him, they get him into the hole, and they see each other at twilight. And it is must have been like less than a second that they were able to see each other as like humans. And I was like, that's heartbreaking. To know for two years you have not seen the person you love. Yeah. That's oh my god. And it kind of snaps Navarre into maybe this will work but the backup plan is kill him if uh, if you hear the bells go off Imperius you need to kill her in her hawk form and he has a knife and he's but I believe that Imperius is absolute like this will work his faith in this plan made him realize that once she became a human nope get out of here because he, he said, Lord, forgive me. And he had this knife like this to the hawk. Well, all right. Um, I want to backpedal just a little bit. Yeah, I think I went a little too far ahead. So something I want to mention is that they there are some really cool moments of like tension in this movie. Yeah, there are. The scene where they're trying to trap Navarre in the wolf form is one of them. Like when he falls into the ice and you're like, everything is like frantic. Yeah. It, like they build that really well, and she's falling into the ice, but then Mouse falls in, and he's freezing and trying to get the wolf out, and yeah. Imperius can't get there because Imperius is a little bit bigger, and he can't get through the ice right, and it builds up a nice tension to, oh my god, are they gonna die before they even go- get through to this plan? Yes, um, to counteract your point about. Imp- Imperious. Imperious, yeah. Um, about him realizing that like he can't kill her. Yeah, he even said, "Don't make me do this." Yeah. I don't think it was so much that. I think it was like, I think it was he didn't do it, like, cause he he very clearly was about to, like, he's like, "God forgive me." Yeah. But like in the background of that shot, you see the eclipse happening. Yep. My theory, because they don't show it, is that he. He was about to do it, but she changed in front of him, and he was like, oh my god, it's going to work. Yep. Like, he knew that because she changed. Or maybe because she hands the bishop her reins as a hawk. Yeah. What if, Lord help me, he was taking the reins off of the hawk, and when she changed, he handed them to her? Because I don't see the reins anywhere else they don't draw attention to him and they should have they should have made a point like if they are absorbed into her if they are something that they're just strewn about yeah because we've they've shown us several times that when you turn you are naked 
You yep. don't absorb your clothing. He has to pull out her clothing every night and put it out for her to wear. Yeah. And vice versa. She takes makes sure his sword is safe. She makes sure everything is out for him in the morning. So it's like... It's kind of like we're traveling for two, but only one of us has to deal with it. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. We don't need all this back, all this, all this shit. You know, we just need one outfit. <laughs> um, and you know, to the point of this whole like the the way they visually present this shift, mm. like from her to him, I think it's handled really well. Like yes. Despite the fact that it's, like, all just basic crossfades, like, it's nothing super special. But they don't focus on that point. They focus no, on it, the emotion of the scene. I think it's enough. Yeah. Like, I think it's just enough to get you... It gives you... gets the point across. Everything... It's supported by the music and the it's camera o- work. The only thing that they ever change are their eyes. His eyes come out of wolf form into human, and her eyes go into hawk form. And you only ever see that in one scene. One scene. And it's where the animal is turning off and the human is turning on for him that he's freaking out and she's losing her humanity and you see her eyes go from that blue to that brown. Yeah. And it's in that split second where they're changing and I'm like, I just did this face. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, that would be so sad. Oh. But we're basically at the climax now. We are. So, the plan is they have to face each other. No. No. They have to stand in front of the bishop, and the bishop has to see them both for the spell to break. So, the plan is, Navarre, because he's fucking stubborn, and I put, you're fucking stubborn, goes in, on a horse, into a church, guns blazing, basically. All of his armor, everything goes right in. Because he goes in not having no belief in this plan. No, he has no belief. And it isn't until he sees the eclipse. the helmet of the other guy gets thrown and he looks and he sees the eclipse starting and he's like holy shit holy shit it's real like that's when he and you see him go imperious don't do it like he says it under his breath and he's like i, I does he say am i wrong make it swift like or i hope yeah. it was quick or well, something cuz that's what he tells to him yes. he's like make it quick so he says it again yeah. to himself so when the bells go off, you're th- he's thinking, it's over. It's over. I told you if the bells go off, kill her, so no one will her- harm her, and we don't have to live through this nightmare. Yeah. Um. Because at that point he's thinking, I'm not making it out of here. Yeah. Which he would have made it out of there fine, because all those other fucking priests are like standing there, like, I'm like, <laughs> do something, you fucking, cl- fucking clogs. What is happening? <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. Fighting a fighting horseback in a church. Oh, Mouse said to him that he lost his sword in the lake trying to rescue him. So the sword is gone. Little do we know that Mouse hid the sword under the horse and buggy. So he didn't know it when going into that fight. He wouldn't have, like, I don't need to kill him with this. Yeah. Um... I don't know the point of that because he could have killed him with any other sword. Yeah, um, I, I think the idea was to kind of discourage him from actually trying to kill the guy. Yeah. Uh, obviously that didn't really work in no. Miles's favor, but I get the what the idea was. It just didn't. They could have done it a better way. Um, my next little things are nice shot with the knife. 
as he takes the knife and hits the guy at the top with the knife. Don't stab the burb. <laughs> he fell onto my sword. So he's fighting the captain of the guard. Fighting. Mind you, Rutger Hauer is doing great. This captain fucking... This other dude sucks. Well, I think that that was kind of one of the things throughout the whole movie is like that Rutger Hauer is this master swordsman. Like he used to be the captain of the guard. Yep. Uh, and no one else is as good as him. No one no else one is as good as him. him. But they also make it a point, like, and I think this leans into the, the comedy a little, is that every other fucking guard, like knight in this movie is a bumbling idiot. Yeah. Like, none of them are very good. <laughs> like, he takes one out with his helmet. He, like, yeah. right with his helmet. I'm like, damn. Um, He fell onto my sword. And then the bishop is like, challenging him basically until Izzy walks through the chapel dressed and says does she say Navarre? Yeah. She says it very faintly Navarre. My comment was could you walk any fucking slower woman? Cause she's just she looks like she's zombie. I do think it was cool though cause like the way they were shooting that he was like fucking ready to kill the guy and that, and you like see her silhouette in the background like coming in yep and she says his voice name quietly and all just all anger just fades and he's like this is gonna work and then he's like see her see me and then he's like fucking see us I was like damn you know what I love about this scene mm. there's they don't do anything to show you the curse is broken no nothing not a thing there's no big, like, magical overlay, nothing. It just, you just assume it happened. Yep. They say, Imperius says, it's done, boy. It's over. The bishop looks fucking pissed that it's done. Like, like he knows I've lost my power. Yeah. I have no power over these two now. Um, And then, I guess, Navarre turns his back towards the bishop to walk towards her to to get her thinking oh curse broken you can't touch us so yeah he they he walks back towards izzy izzy Izzy. um they have like a a little bit of a moment and then izzy brings her her hawk reins and like kind of throws them in his hands yeah oh and she turns to go to him and he's like no one will have you and then he fucking takes that fucking broadsword man and like he's flicking a letter opener. Whoop! Did you notice that the sword on one side flared up, flared up? Like a red glow came off that side where that gem was supposed to be. It was like the gem. He fulfilled his mission. I didn't notice that. Yes, if you if you looked at it closely, it's one of the things that I noticed and I wrote down. I'm like, I saw. Huh. So. When that that moment is so fucking fast, it is very fast. But it's like literally like three frames, maybe. But uh, when the sword impales him, the blade side that's coming out his back is illuminated. Is illuminated. But I but think that's the fire. I thought that was just because I thought it was an eff- the effect. Yeah. Like because it looks like they just composited it on. So I thought it was like oh, just like a not perfect effect. Mm. But maybe that was supposed to be like the well, that, curse is broken symbol. I thought symbol curse is broken. Thing. I thought maybe that's the fire reflection. But it was literally here in front of him was the spot. 
I didn't and even that, notice that. A, a very slight glow came up, and I'm like, oh, the gem's there now. That's cool. I'm like, so that's where there's magic. There's... I wish they had drawn attention to that. But that's what this movie's about. You, All you know is the bishop sold his soul to hell to make this curse happen. The curse is real. It happens. You've seen two people watch it happen. Yeah. So why isn't there any other magic? Why can't that sword be something of a mythical piece of artifact well, too? That's something I really like about this movie. Like it's it's high fantasy, but it's like it doesn't draw attention to itself. No, it doesn't draw attention to itself. It feels like it's set in a world where like anything could, could happen. Yeah. Anything could exist. It feels like it's set in our world. Like this could have happened. Shit was weird back then, maybe. Or maybe it was, like, a form of dementia that these two had. And, <laughs> like, anything anything is possible. It's, just, it's really interesting. Like, this... It's not like any fantasy I've ever really seen. And if more fantasies were like this, I think I'd like them more. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised. A lot of fantasies are like this. Like, this actually, um... In, uh, in some ways... Mm. Reminds me a little bit, like... It feels a little bit like Conan. Never seen Conan. So, Co- the Conan movies, they, they're high fantasy movies, but they they don't do a ton with magic. No. Like, there is magic in them. And it's like, there'll be like a sorcerer who can do some stuff. But it's never integral to the plot. Like, it's always yeah. like, oh, this guy can kind of see into what's going to happen a little bit or something like that or there'll be like a crystal ball element Mm. but it's never super in your face so I have a question for you yeah there is a high fantasy series out and I think you've seen season one I have not seen any of it I've tried to play the games to no avail have you seen The Witcher the first season yes that is another series I've wanted to ask you does that draw attention to the magic yes it does draw attention to it okay that, like, I, all right, from a production standpoint, from, like, it's a very good show. Mm. Didn't hit the mark for me. I think you have to play the game. Like, I, I love the game. I have played the game. Not completely, mm. but I've played some of them, and they're enjoyable. I wanted to go they back to. They didn't do this to me. No. They didn't grab me as much as I like, wanted them to. And I have all three of them. I wanted to play Wild Hunt in its entirety. But, like, because I've never fully played the Witcher games, I couldn't super get into it. Plus, it's a daunting task. I have them huge. on Steam if you need them. Well, I have Wild Hunt on PlayStation. Oh, I have one and two. I have uh, the mechanics in those older ones I can't stand. Uh, you know what? Mechanics are not story but that's why the series is there for you to get into yeah. the series um so back to the movie the boys when all this is happening mouse and Pierius are crying matthew broderick is bawling his eyes out which that... i thought was a nice touch he was yeah. so invested in by the end he is crying that they're that they're it was really cool yes like i liked that that was a hell of a performance even though it's like almost glossed over like I was like, he damn! Is, like there's <laughs> snot coming out of his nose. He's got red eyes. He's bloodshot. I'm like, are you alright, dude? Like, wow! You think somebody got killed? Like yeah. it was like that powerful? 
But at the end, it's the four of them standing there. And he's like, I couldn't have done this without you. You're, you're a great friend. This is amazing. And Imperius and Mouse just walk away. And Mouse is now with Imperius. Like, just, all right, on to the next adventure. So Navarro and Izzy can have a life together. And Rodger Howard's last comment was, you cut your hair. Yeah. And then my last comment there's no offense on the gay community I said as the boys were walking out come let us be gay together let us be happy let us be happy (laughs) but it was just they were so happy walking out it's like on to our next adventure go back to sleep the cat just looked at me like excuse you and then my last note here is are we going to talk about the creepy priest parish just standing there watching this all happen Uh, no like 30 (laughs) people just like um some other little things like I thought the costume design throughout this movie was great. Like, it's very authentic and believable. Very plain. Nothing too grand. But it has... It features a little bit of unique fantasy touches. Like, uh... The biggest one that stood out to me was, like, the knight helmets. Yeah, they were, like, these strips of steel. They had, like, these, like, grids over the eyes. Yeah. It was really cool looking. It almost reminded me of, uh... Like football helmets, almost. In a, oh in a yeah, little okay, bit of a way. all right, okay. But it was really different, unique. Yeah, it was very, some, very unique. Something I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, I personally feel like this movie like builds very gradually toward that big finale, yes. and it's like paced really well. And it's not a grand, huge finale. It is, it is the ending that you hope for in a fantasy movie like this. It's not something like oh yes we're celebrating it's they finally are holding each other like the first thing they do it's not kiss it's it's the first thing they do is touch each other's hands i was like yeah. that's a nice touch and when they do kiss it's like so quick it's so they it's just, like this uh. is we're not thinking about this i just want you in my presence yeah like i want to see you and i was like that is that is the epitome of true love and i'll say this we just celebrated four years. Four years, Does yeah. it feel longer or shorter than that? It doesn't feel like it's been four years. No? No. But it doesn't feel like... I'm like, four years is a small amount of time, but it's a long amount of time. To me, it's like, oh, I've only lived here with you exactly a year and a half. Yeah. Feels like it's been longer. <laughs> We've been together for four years. It doesn't seem that, that long, but somebody else was like, wow, that's a long time. With you... I don't think and so. this is like the note I have for what, like what you would essentially call true love nowadays, is you don't get sick of your partner's presence. Literally in this little apartment, like what you're seeing him to camera, you're seeing the edge of his laptop that is four feet away from me. <laughs> from here, like this apartment is so small. I never get tired of you. And you always say, tell me if you want to go, you want alone time. And I say to you, if you want me to just take the car and go somewhere, I will. We're never tighter of each other's presence. No. I can just be sitting in the same room with you. You're playing a video game. I'm on my phone, reading a book. You're working on stuff. I'll sit over here with the cat. You know, you'll make dinner. It doesn't matter. As long as we're just in each other's presence, I'm fine. Yeah. You don't need these big grand crazy ass things what did we do for our anniversary we got lunch 
Yeah, that was Unfortunately, really we had disastrous news. Yeah. <laughs> the day prior, unfortunately. A friend passed away, and then on our anniversary, my great aunt passed away. So that whole week was terrible. Yeah, but essentially, was... having you and me being in your life has... It's amazing what, when you realize what true love is it to you, it's literally sitting here on a rainy day watching you work because he never fucking stops working. I'm not even kidding. He's always working on something. I wish she was joking. I love it. (laughs) And me, I'm always either on TikTok, listening to K-pop, watching YouTube, doing my own thing. Sometimes I'll do my own work, you know. I don't have like six months of photography stuff backed up. But we gotta finish your website, by the way. <laughs> I've been paying for a website for a year. <laughs> They've got like a hundred and twenty dollars out of me, and I haven't done anything. But this movie is what I believe love really is. It's being in the presence of your partner. It's appreciating the little things about your partner. Like I know I can be a pain in the ass. I know I can be annoying. I know I can be a lazy piece of shit. Lately, I've been bad. But, like, you never get upset with me about it. You, you're like, it's fine. You'll be fine. It's fine. I always ask, are you mad at me? Are you upset? Is everything okay? I don't see a point in being mad about stupid shit. I mean, but you could get mad. But I'm not gonna. I would like a little <laughs> bit of fight here. We don't even disagree on this fucking podcast sometimes. Even when we're like, oh yeah, I hated it. Oh yeah, but I can see the good things. Oh, I hated it, but I can see the good things. Like, <laughs> we always come to a head where it's like, yeah, it wasn't so bad, even though I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. That's why I think you need a, we need somebody else that like absolutely hates a movie, so you have like a little bit of a... Somebody to butt heads with. <laughs> Let um, me call my brother. Oh, God. <laughs> he wouldn't have watched this. No. Uh, oh, do you think I can get my sister Abby to watch this? I think she'd hate this. She'd be like, this is this is so Velveeta. I had to, just once. Get out. <laughs> Come on. It's so, I'm anyway. Taking it, I'm taking it back, Ted. Anyway. My last real thought on this movie, oh. like, I personally think it's a beautiful fantasy tale. It that is. It, like it not only shines in its imaginative imaginative storytelling, but it allows for its visuals to guide the narrative every step of the way. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. There wasn't no. a huge amount of dialogue. And there wasn't these huge grand sets or these beautiful Lord of the Rings compared to this. It's an amazing tale, but it lets the dialogue and the settings tell the tale. This, the characters' faces, the appreciation they had for each other, this is a sleeper hit that I'm upset people don't like more. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the performances in this movie are amazing. Like, both, uh, I kind of said this earlier, but both Michelle Pfeiffer and Rudger Hauer, they portray these characters with, like, they're mysterious, but they're, like, heavily tormented uh, because they are being kept apart and it's you feel it yeah. every scene that they're in and Matthew Roderick is very clearly having fun with this character yes. but at the same time he delivers every scene with a sincerity and a charm that 
more fantastical movies like this don't usually have. Yeah. And I respect the hell out of it. I think it's a interest a weird mashup of elements that nobody's really done before, at least that I've seen, and I really think it works personally. I think this is definitely going to go into my top 20. You think so? Yeah. It's going to be low on the on it, but this one deserves more love. It really does. I mean, again, until I started researching like high fantasy movies, I'd never heard of this ever. No. And when you hear Matthew Broderick, Rudger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer, I was like what the fuck is this? How didn't I hear about this? Right? <laughs> and then I was reading where Sean Penn and Dustin Hoffman were considered for Mouse's role. And who did I say that was considered uh, for... Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell was supposed to be Navarre. No! See, if those people had been cast, I think the movie still would have been great, but it would have been a far different movie. It would have been a different movie. I mean, Sean Penn? I don't like Sean Penn. Not a fan. Yeah, he's all right. Dustin I mean, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman's. A I just great see actor. him as the old Dustin Hoffman. I don't know him from his young. I know he did Mrs. Robinson. The Graduate. It's the same fucking movie. Um, that's another one we gotta watch. Cause all I have is. Mrs. Mrs. Robinson. That gets stuck in my head constantly. Sometimes. Demonetized. What? <laughs> I said demonetized. <laughs> hey. We can't monetize anyway. No. <laughs> Why would we want to monetize on YouTube? Um, I do many too much stupid shit, and I swear too much to be monetized on YouTube. Uh, I th- I think that brings us into our kind of like closing questions. Yeah. Which I think we just answered. We overall thoughts on the film. Let's give cliff notes. Let's answer these questions in ten words or less. It's gonna be tough. Overall thoughts. Very good movie. I wish more people knew about. Nine okay. Words. Nine words. I probably can't do it in no, 10 you words can't. or less. You're so articulate. You're so good with words. Personally, I, I really like this movie. Uh, I think it was an incredible experience that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely made me respect high fantasy more. Respect the drip, Karen. I, I, um... Yeah, I... Come with me, Shawnee. I will show you the road to good high fantasy. And I'll show you the road to shitty ones. <laughs> <laughs> you mean your horror collection? I've already watched Hellraiser. Oh! No, I'm talking about shitty fantasy. I'm talking Deathstalker. Deathstalker? Oh, yeah. What the hell's Deathstalker? Oh, you'll see. That's in our wheelhouse. <laughs> oh, no. I'm giving more ideas and I hate it. Favorites. I think my favorite scene is him... Going through the woods and stealing the clothes, and like looking at the kids, going "Good morning." He just took Dad's shoes, <laughs> <laughs> and he's still talking to himself. Um, you filthy scrumpet! Like that right there. That's the line. And you cut your hair. <laughs> Little things. <laughs> what about you? Uh, my favorite scene, I think, was the when they test the transformation and they see each other for the first time in two years that like it was just very strong it's very heartfelt very like you could you you're sitting there going oh man if i couldn't see my partner for two years i'll be pissed (laughs) like 
And he and Rudger Howard does the ah like technically screams. Technically, we got a taste of that during COVID. Yeah, we couldn't. What well, it was two and a half months. I couldn't see you, and the one time Liz and I had to, my roommate Liz at the time, um, one of my other friends, we went to this Walmart to pick up picture frames because we decided to hang photographs and stuff. Me, her, and Erica. Um, we came here to see each other and we had I literally had to be in the car on the other side of the road and you had to stand in your driveway. We yeah. couldn't touch each other. We couldn't go near each other because we didn't know what was happening. Right. And I'm very immune compromised, unfortunately, with a chronic illness and, you know, type 2 diabetes. We still don't know the repercussions and I'm I made it past March 17th. Couldn't celebrate this, but I made it past the two-year anniversary. No COVID that we know of. <laughs> that we know of. But I made it. But yet, yeah, that, honestly, not seeing you for two months, that was the reason why I went, you just want to move in. Like, we, I think after we got through that initial COVID, we knew. It's like, yeah, it's you and me, baby. Like, there's, we're not going to do this with anybody else. It's, yeah. it's two of us. And then you've got a cat. Now we're stuck with each other for the rest of our lives. Or at least the rest of hers. <laughs> She's been really good this episode. You've not seen her. It's like she went into her perch bed and has not moved since we started talking. She made a guest appearance on Aristocrat several times. But she was like, Mom and Dad are working. <laughs> Time to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I... That was a rough... That was exactly like two and a half months. It was a rough two and a half months. Yeah. And when I could finally see you, like, I felt so bad because you didn't even talk to anybody or hang out with anybody. I at least had my roommates. You didn't. Was what it was. You didn't even see the two downstairs. No. Because you just didn't know what would happen. Right. Fucking, man, COVID took a lot from us. I'll say that. Fuck. Fuck. COVID. <laughs> and this bullshit. I am glad that things are starting to at least a little settle down. And we can see people. I was very happy that for one of the funerals, we didn't really have to wear masks because everybody was, we knew everybody was extremely safe yeah. and careful. And it was nice to, it was nice to see people's full faces for once. Agreed. Like, I've, I wear a mask everywhere. That was the really, that's the really the first time we've not worn a mask around people and it was really like i see my two friends that i were my three four i don't know how many people do i work with that i know that went to too that. fucking many too, too many but it was i see their faces every day but it was nice to see other people's faces it was like oh my god like life is never going to be normal again but it's 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 getting there like it's a new normal which is okay i'm fine with this if i've got to wear a mask for the rest of my life so be it. It just means I might not get a cold or the flu, and I'm okay with that. I didn't get a cold or flu this year, so um, back on track. Yes, uh, I had a few favorite lines. Mm. Um, the first one being a classic that is used in countless I knew movies. It. I fucking knew it. And it pops up here when they first, uh, when he first takes the injured hawk to what the hell's his name. Imperious. Imperious. He's like, I have the hawk. I was sent here by a man named Navar. And Imperius just goes, Mother of God. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, that it's always funny to hear. Um, another one, obviously, had to make my list was always together, eternally apart. That was a very strong line. Ugh. Beautifully written. Hearts. 
But, but it is a beautiful line. One line that stood out, which it's said almost in passing, it's most people probably wouldn't even pay attention to it, mm. but uh, it's early on when um, Navarre and Mouse are talking in the woods. I think it's like one of the first times they stop. Okay. Uh, Mouse says to him, Sir, the truth is, I talk to God all the time, and he's never mentioned you. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just like that phrase. That little clip. That little clip. That's funny. It's, it was a good line. Um, does the movie work? Yes. This movie works very well. It doesn't feel like it's a dated piece until you get to the green screen parts and the transformation part. And even that doesn't fully take me out of it. Um, this works very well. I'm very, I'm getting more and more bummed that not a lot of people know about this movie. Like, really, I am. The more I think about it, this movie works very well. It's very good. It's not the most amazing piece of cinema I've seen. It's not the most amazing piece of cinema I've seen. But this really should be up there with the other high fantasies from the 80s. Everyone talks about Legend, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal. Why don't we talk about this? This is beautiful. We really should. We really, really should. Does it work for you? This absolutely did work for me. Um, I think it's a really great film. Mm. Like, it's a great story, more importantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, some of this, the technology behind it is dated now, but... For someone who loves older films anyway, it, none of it bothers me. Yeah. I actually prefer to prefer it that way. I, I wouldn't want it to be super CG heavy or anything. You don't want to give this the end game treatment? No. Like, I don't want to see the transformation between... Of a woman into a bird. Like, I I like that it's just a crossfade. It's just... Like, it's just... Bird lady. It's lady so bird. simple. <laughs> so quick. Uh, would you recommend it? A hundred percent. I am actually going to recommend this. I'm going to hand this to people now and be like, here's my copy of Ladyhawk. Fucking watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm showing my Unisana shit. <laughs> then you'll never get it back. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> like, this was actually, this took me a while to get because it was, it was available for like a month and then all of a sudden for three months it wasn't. So it seems like it has like a niche following like a cult following that people buy it it's already sold out again like you can't get this one this copy i'm glad you got it yeah i'm really <laughs> glad i pulled the trigger and bought this one when i did i bought this with like labyrinth and interview with the vampire which i got like the spanish release of interview with the vampire like what the fuck shit happens fuck you amazon <laughs> <laughs> yeah with amazon you have to be super like careful when you buy stuff like especially if it's like a cheap version of the movie and, yeah like this is not there's no special editions it just says archive collection it's literally just the movie that's all this is there's nothing else on it and you pointed out that it looks beautiful and it's seamless but when you pause it that grain from the vhs or that grain from the film is there and you were like i love it yeah well that's because it's a film transfer mm. you're like you're gonna keep that yeah. those elements and i really like that like I love seeing a movie from like the 70s or 80s and like seeing the imperfections in the film that transferred over 
Well, that's why you like that um, House of the Dead movie so much. It's a newer... House of the Devil. Half of the House yeah. of the Devil. It's a newer film. But even though it's a newer film, there's a heavy grain on that. And there's like this quality where the dark, the darks yeah. or the shadows are very dark and there's grain. And I personally thought the movie was boring. I don't know for sure if he shot that on film or if he digitally created that. Yeah, I'd I'd have to look into it. It's too bad we can't do that one on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like very recent within the last five years, I think. No, not that recent. Within the last ten? Maybe ten, but not five. I'd like to do more. I really wish we could push this into like the 2000s. Well, because then my ass would be putting Lord of the Rings slap right on here. Maybe we'll figure out a way to do something. What if it was? What if it was shot in the nineties? Has to be released. Come on, Lord of the Rings was shot no. between nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety nine no. in New Zealand. No, I'll, I'll get Lord of the Rings, kids. <laughs> we're gonna do. We're gonna do these Lord of the Rings. You're gonna knock everything over. <laughs> what the hell is over here? A lot. Stop. <laughs> We'll do these ones. <laughs> My God. Um, They're beautiful and terrible at the same time. Very obviously, I would also recommend this movie. Um, definitely if you're a fantasy person. Yeah. Um, if you like things like Lord of the Rings or Conan or any of that. like This is early stuff. Old like, school. You see like Lord of the Rings and like newer fantasy. You see where they pull shit from. It's gorgeous to see where the inspirations come from. Yeah. Granted, this is a much more tame, like, type of sword and sorcery kind of movie, but mm. it's really entertaining. It's um, not Dungeons and Dragons with Jeremy Irons. Thank fucking God. I cannot. And Thora Birch. I can't wait to see that. <sighs> thank you, Red Letter Media, for making me never want to watch that movie ever. What a shit show. Yep. Um, <laughs> how would you make this today? Oh, boy. I honestly think this would do... We say it all the time, but fuck it. It's the new format, and screw you guys if you hate it. Limited series, six-part episode. I'd follow Mouse, then I would follow Izzy, then I would follow Navarro, then I would merge all of them up, and then go to the climax in the last two. I would love to tell their those three stories individually. and then like get the In love their entirety? St- in their entirety, and then get the love story part, and then merge the three of them in the last two. I think it would be awesome. Use even less technology. You never see the transformation. I would focus still on the eyes in that one part because that's really where a lot of that scene came from was their eyes. I would love to see a bit more of a harsher environment that they're going through just like for the trials and tribulations of it. But yeah, I I would 100% do this now. Six part limited series. And make it as very little magic, very little of that, and only suggestions and whispers other than the transformations. What about you? I have to agree. Um, I would say limited series would probably be the best format if you wanted to retell this, because then you could delve into more of the deeper aspects. Mm -hmm. However... If I were going to do it, I would still try and keep it as limited and tame as possible. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to delve into the magic anymore. Nope. I wouldn't want to delve into the actual curse anymore. Like I'd want to keep it as mysterious and simplified as possible. 
but just kind of give us more character stuff. Yes. I want to know more about the three of them. Yeah. How even, they fell um, love. Even, uh... Imperius? Imperius, yeah. I want to know more about him. I'd like to know more. Like we, we, we get a lot of him, but one thing we we one thing we didn't mention is he is the priest that slipped to the bishop. Which, so he has carried this guilt for two years. Yes, and I like the fact that he was it was an accident because he has a drinking problem. Yes, that was cool. Yep. Like it was it made it so it was like it's a, something it's a burden he's had. He didn't mean to do it, but when he did it, he realized that he had just screwed over friends, screwed over life, and he went into hiding. He literally went into hiding in a ruined church. Yeah. Story's good, guys. Honestly, we've... When we explain the movies, we do so in a very jumpy, kind of weird narrative way. A little bit all over the place. Yeah, but I recommend (laughs) still go watch this. Maybe our... Maybe you'll catch something we missed. I hope you do. Oh, God. I would love it if people were like, hey, you guys missed this. Please tell us if we missed something. Yeah. Please tell us if we were wrong about something, too. Or if you have, like, an idea where we say, oh, well, maybe Mouse is this. Or maybe maybe you're like, oh, no, this is actually what happened. So I would love that. Yeah. I Honestly, start a conversation yep. about it. I, I want to know what people think. But now the big question. Is this mainstream exploitation or other? I think they were going for mainstream. I think at the time they were trying to follow along with a lot of the other stuff because Conan was around this time. I'm going to say that this is mainstream, strong mainstream, slightly other, no exploitation in this at all. I definitely agree. Uh, this, I think it's meant to be mainstream. Mm-hmm. It definitely has nothing exploitive about it. Nope. Um, I think it's meant to be mainstream, but I think because it was, it's mostly overlooked or forgotten, mm-hmm. it slides more into the other category. Yeah. Um, but I wish, I wish it was more well known. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this up on my Facebook, on my personal Facebook. I'm gonna be like, guys, watch this. If you haven't watched this, it's so good, and listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> listen to our podcast, please. Please listen. Listen. <laughs> We do have quite a few listeners. And I we do, do have more than say, I would expect. And I do have to say, somewhere in the Middle East, episode four is making its rounds, and we have up to 51,000 views. On the U- on the YouTube version. On the YouTube version. That's fucking insane. Which, every time I <laughs> check that, like, we must have gotten caught in, like, a loop for that like the female algorithm. Yakuza tale. Because I looked at it one day, and it was up to, like, 21,000. I looked at him, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? He's like, we got stuck in a loop yeah, somewhere. Something happened. It so, got promoted. Shout out to the Middle East for liking that video. <laughs> just because we talk about tits though and stuff going up people's vaginas like for most of the video. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> um, but I think that brings our discussion on Lady Hawk to a close. It does. But <laughs> don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. Looks like you're going to get a chance to meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped. I just don't want to spoil things. Anybody else need more turkey? No, I'm pretty good, thanks. I don't like to talk about my brother. He gives me nightmares. 
You know, somebody ought to tell him to get inside. Nobody should be out with my brother around. He looked exactly like Terry, except he had this really wild, crazed look in his eyes. Real sweetheart, you know that? A real sweetheart. It's not cranberry sauce, Artie. It's not cranberry sauce. What the fuck are we watching? We're gonna watch Blood Rage. Now, for those of you listening, watching, hey guys, we have no idea. I have no idea what you just watched. All I know is it's a movie called Blood Rage, and you've never actually watched this. I've never seen it. I own it. I bought it on a whim because it was recommended. Is it up there? Yes. Can I see the cover? Yes. It is right next to second top shelf, second one in. I picked up a copy of this because it was recommended by another podcast, um, Bad Taste Video. Oh, God. Um, This is supposedly a, like, brutal, violent exploitation from, I think, the... Is it the 80s or the 70s? 1983. 83. All right. I just want to see who's in it. I don't think anybody of note. (laughs) I've seen a trailer for this one before, and the trailer has some pretty gnarly shit in it, which I'm excited to see. It literally tells me nothing. This tells me nothing. And, like, reading the back of this, I'm trying not to read the blip. It just says 80s slasher heaven. Yeah. It's supposedly, like quintessential slasher but like has some really gory shit which I'm excited for I've seen a couple little tidbits uh, in the trailer and mm. they piqued my interest let's just say it that piqued your interest oh hello but we're shifting from high fantasy to violent blood and gore gory slasher that's the house that we live in there's cute things and k-pop on one side and a whole fucking wall of death on the other <laughs> welcome but I'm very excited. Thank you, Bad Taste Video Podcast, for the recommendation. Honestly, we do have to say thank you, Bad Taste. Thank you, Red Letter Media. The two yeah. of them are pretty much fueling a lot of our thank you, uh, Cinemassacre. Yeah. Yep. Um, maybe a little bit of Stockman. Definitely. Uh, what's the other dude? Help me. There's another reviewer you watch. Another reviewer? Yeah. Oh, it's um, it's Good Bad Flicks. Good Bad Flicks. Um, thank you, Willem. Patrick Willems. Patrick Willems. Um, very slightly. <laughs> Patrick Willems does more modern shit, though. Like, he not does, that we would cover. But it's really interesting because I like his... <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I like his story. The cat woke up. Yeah, she woke up. <laughs> I like his way of telling stories. Yeah. It makes me excited. So, we're, uh... Oh, I can't wait to watch this one tonight. All right. Does that mean... We are about done. That means we are about done. Um, hi. <laughs> As per usual, uh, for more recommendations on films or coffees that you should check out, or if you want to check out our movie collection, or see some fun behind-the-scenes type of stuff, um, or if you want to chat with us, recommend us some movies, check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Grindhouse Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. If you'd like to hang out with Leah and chat a little bit, she runs our Discord, which I is also do. at Grindhouse Podcast. Yep. I don't really touch the Discord, so that'll be all her. Oh, it's all me. He's there. You can badmouth him. 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, all the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Um, listen to us and give us that five-star rating on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you want a more visual experience, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can get every single episode in its entirety with video. Sometimes, unless the uh, memory card fucks up. Listen, you get most most video. Most of them. <laughs> because, you know, every now and then we have a camera issue, which I'm working every day to try and solve. <laughs> Nothing's perfect here. <laughs> Nothing at all. Especially not us. <laughs> um, if you like what we're doing with the show and you want to show some support, um, you can find all that information down in the show notes as well. Until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening, and keep watching. Peace! What did I say when we were walking around the other day? Deuces! <laughs> Kill me. <laughs>